How many of you this week saw a cute little piece on the news? It showed a mother bear with her little cub climbing a steep uh, mountain with snow. And the mother made it up okay. But the little cub, he kept fighting and working, and he almost got to the top. Mother even was going to reach out and just swat him up. But he just slipped, and he slid all the way back down. How many of you saw that? Good, good. If you didn't see it, you missed something that's really entertaining. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I thought about the principles of teaching the Word of God, how you could use that illustration. Uh, I thought about uh, people who are going through life and struggling, and sometimes they slip and they slide down, but they get back up and they go again. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. Never give up, uh, but always keep climbing because we're going to reach the top one of these days. But there are situations where people lose their footing spiritually. And uh, we might call it backsliding. Uh, what are some other terms we would use? Falling away from the faith. Anybody got any others? And the flesh. Okay. There's, there's probably a, a number of terms you could use about people um, getting back in the flesh or falling away from, from their faith and from, from their fellowship with God and God's people. It does happen. It is a sad scene that we see sometimes. But you know, God's Word tells us how we can keep from sliding. God's Word shows us how that we can get a good footing. I like 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. What was that next phrase? Unmovable. Unmovable. Wow, I like that, don't you? Amen. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labors are not in vain. So, we, we have the promises of God. We need to remember our position in Christ Jesus. We need to learn that we need to practice our Christian living every day. Uh, people are looking. People are watching. People are wanting to know, are you real? Do you really have that kind of faith? Do you really believe the promises of God like you say you do? Because I know that there are people who say one thing and do another. But as Christians, we need to be sure that whatever we say, we do. And that's so important. So there's a few things I want to share with you tonight about how that you can stay right with God, stay in tune with the Lord, stay in fellowship, and, uh, and be the testimony that you should be. We're going to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, I would like to share some scripture with you there on how that we can keep safe in the Lord, with the Lord, and not have these things cause us to... My wife, wife, where are you? Would you come here, please? 
You didn't tie it tight enough. Would you help me out here? You folks know why I don't bend over. One, you can't breathe. Two, you pass out. And three, you fall on the floor. Thank you, dear. I just, just stepped on that. Thank you. All right. She was going to do a double tie on it tonight for me. And I said, no, that'll be okay. Was I ever wrong? Okay. So she's got that all straightened out. Uh, I want us to look at some scripture here and uh, see some things that will help us stay steadfast, unmovable, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Those things that we can do that will keep us from slipping, those things that will help us uh, be consistent, be holy, have our lives above reproach. And uh, so let's look at First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. And look with me, if you will, in verse 17. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that hath calleth you who also will do it. Father, thank you for these verses of Scripture. We thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. We thank you, Father, for the strength that you give us, the power that we have through Christ to be able to resist the devil, to flee from him, the Lord to be firm in our faith, standing steadfast in our service, Lord, that we would do what pleases you most, and that's to honor you with our life. Thank you, Lord, that you give us instruction and guidance. Tonight, even strengthen us as we continue serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, some things that will help us stay firm in our faith. Some things that will help us to continue the fight. Some things that will help us to make priorities based on the Word of God and not man. And to hold our position in holiness. Uh, first thing that we see in verse 17 is prayer. Have we not said it many times that prayer is a most important thing in our life? It is our commune with God. It is our fellowship. It is our visitation with Him with our petitions and our needs. So let's turn back to the book of Matthew just for a moment. And let's look at the Word of God in Matthew chapter 7. And look at verses 7, if you will. The Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. 
Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son asked bread, ye would give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, ye would give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall our Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do ye even uh, so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So God talks about taking care of us. Amen. He said that if we communicate, if we, if we will, you know, where it talks about over in Hebrews, about Hebrews chapter 6, 11 and verse 6, where it talks about we must believe that he is God, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the Lord tells us that we're to seek him out, we're to ask him, we're to knock, that door will open. God made those promises to his people. He made them to us. And so we have an opportunity of prayer, which is communing with God. We need that communion with God. We need it every day. We're challenged in the Word of God in many places to pray, pray, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. And when we communicate with God and we give Him our petitions, we make a commitment to God that we're going to continue to communicate with Him. We, we make a commitment to God that we're going to have confidence in His promises. Prayer is something that's going to hold you firmly in relationship with God as He wants you to be. And so that's very important. Another thing is verse 18 of our text. In everything give thanks. Wow. Do we, re do we really understand what that, what that phrase means? In everything give thanks. What do you think that means? In everything, give thanks. That's exactly what it means. You know, sometimes theologians try to make things real complicated. It's simple. In everything, give thanks. And uh, so we find in verse 18, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is everything? Is it good? Is it bad? Is, is it easy or is it difficult? Is it financial or is it physical? Is it emotional or is it spiritual? All of those things. In everything, give thanks. Now, it's easy for us to thank the Lord when things come our way that we feel is such a blessing from the Lord. But what about when those difficult times come? What about when those times come that we're hit broadsided, uh, unexpectedly, something comes out of nowhere and, and we're right in the middle of that. And what, what do we do? We give God thanks. I'm grateful that at the times that I've seen people go through difficult times, hard times, financial disasters and physical ailing prop, uh, problems and, and terminal illnesses, that, that in all of these we can thank the Lord. And all of these we can find praise to His name. 
Because something always comes out good, even if it's bad, with God. Amen? And I know that all things work together for the, in Romans 8, 28. All things work together for them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for the good. It didn't say all things are going to be good. You're going to have some things that are going to cause tears and heartbreak and heartache and sorrow. Yet God is working in the midst of that. And so, everything, that's good. And sometimes it's bad. Give thanks for everything. Give thanks for everyone. There's some people in your life that I'm telling you, they are your closest friends. And you thank the Lord every day for them. Because you know that if you have a need, you can call them and they will be there just that quick. But how about giving thanks for everyone? There's some people that we're not so friendly with. They're not friendly with us. How do we, how do we deal with that? How did Jesus deal with it? Jesus had a love for every man. Jesus had a love for every people. He wasn't just partial to one group of people here or a group of people over there. He came to save sinners. Wherever he found sinners, he wanted to witness to them. He wanted to tell them of the kingdom. He wanted them to believe. He wanted them to follow. Boy, I tell you, you can sure turn a person around real quick when you start talking about the Lord. Amen? Amen. I tell you, sometimes you've got people that are cursing and, and they're mad and they're, they're going through all this. You just start praising the Lord. You just start rejoicing and talking about the Lord and talking about Scripture. And I'll tell you one thing, they're going to get right or they're going to take off and run. You've had them both happen to you. You've heard some people just bow their head and realize that, uh-oh, you know, I often want to ask people this. When they get out of control and they start using profanity, I want to just put it right in their ear. Would you cuss like that in front of a preacher? That'll sure get, them, get their attention, won't it? <laughs> when people call and I know that it's some scam artist, I'd say, would you talk to a policeman like this? You know, I just think about what, it, hey, I got a friend in the FBI. You want to hold on and I'll get him and you can talk to him? That, that'll cause people to stop, won't it? It's good that we have friends. It's good that we have people that we can fellowship with. Family, friends, strangers, whomever the Lord. The Bible says that we're to live peaceably with all men if possible. So we got to really work at it, isn't it? Some people just don't want to be loved. Some people just don't want you in their, what would we call it, their private circle there. you you, you got to stay so far away. Uh, but uh, praise the Lord. We're to pray. That's what's going to keep us close to the Lord. We're to give thanks. That's what's going to keep us close to the Lord. And, and verses 19 to 20 of our text, it says, Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying. So we're talking about 
the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the preaching of God's Word. And so we're not to quench it. What does it mean to quench? Raise your hand. What does it mean to quench? Yeah, just try to stop it. It's kind of like put the fire out, quench it. Don't let it, don't let it get big. Don't let it uh, give heat to everybody, you know. Um, what else? The word quench means to suppress. It means to stop. It means to intervene. Listen, we are commanded not to quench the Spirit of God. Now, let me ask you a question. What quenches the Spirit of God in a worship service? What quenches the Spirit of God in a worship service? Hard hearts? What about people talking? When the preacher's trying to preach a message and people are just having a conversation, won't that quench the Spirit? How about somebody that's disruptive, shuffling around, making noise, and and causing distractions. Cell phones going off. There's a lot of things that can just stop the movement of the Spirit of God if we're not careful. So it tells us to quench not the Spirit. Let me read a scripture, if I may, out of Ephesians 4 in verse 30. It's familiar. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now we know that what was causing, what would have caused the Lord to be, the Holy Spirit to be grieved was all the things that was prior to that statement and after that statement. Because there was clamor and there was arguing and there was bitterness and there was corruption and, and just a whole lot of things that quenched the Spirit of God. You and I both know that we've been in situations where somebody can quench the witnessing to a lost person. And they can interrupt and they can uh, interject and, and they can try to get you off of the course of what you want to do. But we're to, we're to quench not the spirit and the preaching of God's word. What does that mean? We're to be opened to what God has for us. We're to be open. We're to be obedient to what the Lord has for us. And then we're to be uh, operating in that commands or direction that the Holy Spirit of God gives us. I'm going to read uh, from uh, John chapter 16. You, you, you're familiar with these uh, verses of Scripture, I'm sure. And, uh, but let's just go back in from the 16th chapter of John and read these verses of Scripture. Beginning with verse 7. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Reproving the world of sin. And of righteousness. And of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. And of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of the, this world is judged. 
I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Did we capture that last phrase? He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead us anywhere except to the truth. Because he's going to, he's, well, let's read on. He says, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Very important. Do we need the Holy Spirit to be saved? Let's, let's answer that question in our heart. Do we need the Holy Spirit to be saved? Yes, you do. You need to have God speaking to your heart. People are not going to get saved if the Lord's not dealing with them about and the way, the way that they come under conviction is by the Word. You share the truth of the Word with them. The Holy Spirit begins to woo them because of the need of salvation. And so we're, we need to be very careful not to quench the Spirit of God. And then let's go back to our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, looking at verse 21. The Bible says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. So, what does that mean to us? Prove all things. That means to affirm all things. We need to affirm, is this something that I should know? Is this something I should do? Is this something I should share? Is this something I should accept by faith? Affirming by the word and accept by faith and then apply it. What do I apply to this? Verse 21 says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. If it's not good, let it go. You know, sometimes Christians ask questions, and they know the answers before they ever come to you and ask you, you know, you think it'll be all right if I do this? Well, what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? What does God say? And I think if we measured up against the Word of God, we're going to find that, hey, this is not affirmed for me to be doing this. This is not to be accepted in my faith. This is not to be applied to my life. I need to leave it alone. And verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. How many times have you heard the preachers preach on that? Abstain from all appearances of evil. How would we be an appearance of evil as Christians? Think about that just for a moment. How would we be in a situation where we are doing something that is causing our 
testimony to be compromised. Let me just give an example. Should Christians dress like the world? No. The Bible teaches us that we are to dress modestly. We are to reflect the spirit of Christ and not draw attention to ourselves. That's for men and women. We are to be so aware of sin because it's all around us. We abstain from that which is evil. I heard a statement said by a young lady today about liquor and alcohol. And the statement was this. Everybody does it. Well, I think if I thought that way, I would question who I've been hanging around with. Because I don't. My wife doesn't. We teach against it. We know what it'll do to people's lives. But it seems like we have a generation that thinks it's okay. Isn't it amazing how Satan, very subtle, brings things into view of people through media and does it in a way that it becomes non-offensive to a lot of people because they don't even understand it. So when you go back, if you go back uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, liquor was advertised on TV. And it was just plainly uh, out there in front of you. Now it's a hard cider. What are they, what are they, I saw the commercial on TV, Angry Cider, Angry, Angry Apples or something. What is it? I can't remember. Angry Orchard. These apples come from Angry Orchard. Well, they now have uh, beer that's, that's peach flavored. I mean, they just got all kind of flavors. Young people don't think anything about that. But I'm telling you, that's the way that it begins to get into people's lives, and then it goes further. It always goes further. It always goes further. Now, they had three, they had three issues of marijuana on the ballot yesterday. Somebody said, how'd you vote? I said, no, no, no. I don't like any of it. They said, well, they're going to pick one of the three, and they did. Medical marijuana. Every state is adopting the use of recreational marijuana or legal um, medical marijuana. I hear people telling me this all the time. My doctor told me that I ought to drink at least two or three beers every night. It would help my health. Or to drink two glasses of wine. I never got a prescription like that. Where's that doctor at? We realize that Paul said, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Boy, that's a good one for drinkers, isn't it? If Paul said it, I know it's good. It's okay with God. If you understood what it, the principle of what it was for and why, it was for medicinal purposes. It was for the fact that it would help the stomach that has been uh, aggravated by certain things 
whether it's bad water or whatever, uh, but it was not drink a little wine and then drink a lot of wine. You know, that's where it goes. So it starts off innocent, but it soon becomes something that people can't live without. Years ago, and that's been many years ago, I used to have a friend named Ron Selesky. I think that's where he pronounced his name. He was Polish. Ron Selesky. And Ron was in charge of the moving of all the automobiles in the dealership to get them to the places where they should go. And he set up in a tower, and he was always saying to the, to the men that had to drive the cars around, take number 605 and move it to there. Take this one there, move that one over there, take that one over to the glass shop. And, uh, and I used to talk to Ron, and this was before I became a Christian. And Ron told me that he drank a case of beer every weekend. He'd drink a case of beer every day over the weekend. A case. I'd say that's pretty, pretty much a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but anyway, uh, alcoholic, yeah. Um, yeah. Can you imagine that people get hooked on things and how much it costs them to do what they do? Take a person that smokes. I smoked from the time I was 16 to time I was 24. Take a person that smokes. When I smoked, Winston cigarettes were 35 cents a pack. And I said, if they ever go up to 50 cents, I'll quit. I quit before that because the Lord gave me strength to do it. I quit before that. But think about today. A pack of cigarettes is $5. And the average person that smokes, and I mean smokes. I don't mean chain smokers. I just mean people that smoke. The average person will smoke a pack a day. $5 a day for 30 days. How much money is that? 150 bucks. Wow. Now times that times 12. And then times that by 20 or 30 years. Or in my father's case, 50-something years he smoked. He started smoking and chewing and dipping and all those kind of things when he was just a boy. And the, and the day he died, he was still smoking. He could not get victory over it. But it destroyed his health. I realize that there's a lot of things we can destroy our body with. I realize that. There's a lot of things that we can do to hurt ourselves. But we need to think about abstaining from evil. Awareness of sin. Abstaining from evil. Abstaining from the appearance of evil. Now, as we've looked at these things in these scriptures tonight, if we're going to hold fast, be steadfast, if we're going to be close to God, remember that there are some things we can do that will keep us from falling back or sliding back or walking away or getting away from the Lord, getting into the world, getting into sin. And they are prayer. Giving thanks to God every day. Not quenching the Holy Spirit or the preaching of God's Word. Proving all things and holding uh, to those things. And abstaining from evil. See, God gives us the answers that we need to be the people that we should be. 
to do the things that God wants us to do.